Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Obsidian Achievement. This is your host, Mike Russin. Man, it is exciting to be back. Um, I've been doing a lot of traveling, a lot of focusing on the uh, life insurance side of my business, and uh, you know, just really, just really dialed in, keyed in uh, on developing my life insurance leg right now. And uh, that business is about to blow up, man. We just again. So many new people, uh, just so many leadership promotions, man. I'm just so excited uh, for the future in that arena of my life. I mean, last week consulting, um, had a couple consulting gigs. Went to Connecticut, back to Maine, back to Boston, back to Maine, out to Chicago uh, for the Adversity Kings podcast, uh, where I was a guest with Tristan. So that is going to be dropping soon. I'll let you guys know. Uh, when that drops, that's probably even going to be more controversial than my podcast. <laughs> so I know you guys are going to be on the lookout for that. I'll let you guys know when that drops. But definitely follow Tristan uh, in the Adversity Kings over there. He's got something great going on. Uh, and I'm definitely inspired by his setup. I'm going to get a sick-ass uh, podcast setup like he has. Uh, his is cool. His is, his is really, really cool. So um, I had some topics that were sent to me uh, on Instagram, and I just wanted to kind of shotgun blast these today uh, in no particular order. And I might not go through every single one I got set. I think I got seven to ten topics total. Um, I might hit three or four. And the, and the first one that I wanted to talk about today are my top three mentors. My top three mentors in life. Um, you know, so number one, um, I'm going to have to go with Jesus. You know, that's, I believe, and I've talked on this before that as men and, and women too, that we all need an ideal with which to compare our actions, thoughts, words, and deeds to in life. And, you know, for me, that's Jesus Christ. And it quite literally boils down to that phrase that's become almost commercialized and that's WWJD. What would Jesus do? You know, that's a very easy code to live by that if Jesus wouldn't do it, you shouldn't do it. You know, we look at the, the God man who lived a perfect life. I can't think of a better mentor. And, you know, I really love the true Jesus, um, not this fluffy, lovey-dovey Jesus um, that society, you know, and, and pagan culture has watered down. Um, I love the Jesus of, you know, that he you know, basically says that he comes not for peace, but for war, for sword and fire. You know what I mean? I, I love the Jesus that eats with the sinners, that communes with the sinners, with the, the tax collectors and, and the prostitutes and reach the broken and the lost. But, you know, at the, at the same time, Jesus came to go to war and he kept it super real with everybody. He called his, one of his closest disciples, Peter, Satan. You know, which is probably the worst insult you could get from God. So, you know, Jesus would have to be you know, number one for me in terms of, you know, that's not somebody, yeah, I do have a personal relationship with Jesus. So that's a mentor to me, you know, but in the uh, more secular arena of my life, uh, number two has got to be my dad. You know, I've talked about my dad at length. Uh, I think I, I did a whole podcast episode on him, you know, in terms of integrity, honesty, and hard work, I would say those are the three biggest words that stick out to me. When I think of my father, integrity, honesty, and hard work, you know, there's really not too many. I don't know anybody actually that matches up to my father. Um, and that's not just me because I'm, you know, saying that because he's my dad. You know, many other people would say the same thing about him, that he's as flawless as it gets uh, in his execution uh, of his duties as a man. 
So my dad, you know, without question would be number two. And then number three on the list would definitely be Simon. Simon Arias, my mentor, Simon Arias in business has taught me, you know, so much about business and life. Um, so much about business and life that, uh, you know, it's just, it's hard to even begin. You know, he's taught me about finances. He's taught me about business. He's taught me about people development, people skills, leadership, um, you know, conducting and handling myself as a man, being level-headed. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on, and he's been so patient and graceful. Gracious, patient, yeah, patient, grace, gracious. With uh, I'm trying to think of the word. He's had grace with me is what I'm getting at um, in terms of my development as a man and as a person in and out of business. So, you know, Simon's somebody that I'm constantly going to to run questions by you know i'm lucky enough to be able to spend time with him multiple times a week and you know i just got to say that i leave every single session a better person all around thinking about things in a different way you know so i've talked about the importance of mentors before mentors are so critically important because i think smart people learn from their own mistakes but wise people can learn from the mistakes of others so the more mentors you surround yourself with and you know you got to be careful about who you pick as a mentor i don't pick mentors uh, that I wouldn't trade places with. Like I look at, you know, Jesus. I mean, that's Jesus. I, I don't need to explain that. But, you know, I look at my dad and I just look at his marriage and his life. And, you know, he might not have been the richest man I've ever met, but my goodness, he was certainly rich in terms of relationships with his kids and his wife and, you know, his community and his church. You know, that's somebody I would trade places with. And I look at Simon, just all of his success, you know, inside and outside of business, you know, as a, as a jujitsu athlete, as a businessman, as a millionaire, multimillionaire, what he's overcome in his life. You know, that's definitely somebody I would trade places with in terms of his success, his accolades and his wisdom. So um, I think it's so critically important that you be very careful about who you pick as a mentor um, because that really is a deciding factor in how quickly it's going to take you to go to where you want to go. You know, mentors have the powerful effect in your life of being able to significantly drastically cut the amount of time it takes you to reach a goal because they're not only able to educate you on how to get there, but they're also able to educate you on what not to do on the way there because mistakes that mentors can help you avoid, you know, they can help you avoid massive setbacks that'll take years or add years or months to the attainment of your goal or objective. So that's mentors. The other question I got, I like this one was, uh, you talk a lot about high value men. What are some characteristics of high-value women? I think a high-value woman uh, is chaste, uh, which means that she doesn't, she's not promiscuous, uh, both in thought, dress, and action, and word. Um, I, I really do believe that, and this is, this is feminism. <laughs> Shove it. Feminism is the reason this country is in shambles. Feminism is the reason right now why so many young women from 25 to 35 are more depressed than they've ever been. Feminism is the reason right now why abortions are rampant. Feminism right now is the reason why there's so much racial and gender divide. Feminism is the reason why little boys and little girls are cutting their genitals off or their breasts off and augmenting their bodies at the age of 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Feminism is the reason for 90% of the societal decay that we see right now. And uh, yeah, I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe that feminism is the cancer eroding at the very fabric of society. So I think that being chased as a woman is so cr incredibly important. You know, and I've talked on the subject of casual sex before, you know, how every time you engage in casual sex, you're giving a part of yourself away. 
you're giving a part of yourself, and let's just put it this way, you're putting mileage on your body. You know what I mean? And what you find is that um, over time that wears on you, and I think it shows in people's faces. You know, you're, it says that the heart of a man is reflected in his face and his countenance. You know, so I believe, like, whatever you have in your heart is going to be reflected in your countenance, your face, how you carry yourself, right? So you see it almost like people that engage in a lot of promiscuous sex seem to age faster. Uh, they seem to, you know, like have more wrinkles and more stress lines and just, you know, it just, it, it doesn't look good. It's not a good outward look because you're rotting away internally. You can't, I've never met somebody that's having loads of promiscuous sex that's doing it for a healthy reason. Despite what all these love is love, bullshit, feminist, moronic, uh, pseudo virtues might tell you, you know, I've never, I've never met somebody, man or woman, man or woman. It's usually as a, it's, it's usually a hole, a deep, dark pit in their life that they're trying to fill that was gashed by trauma. It's usually a result. It's a behavior that manifests as a result of unresolved trauma. So I think being chased as a woman is, you know, and there's some super, super traditional men that are like, you know, you got to be a virgin and, you know, just me being realistic. I don't see many women making it to marriage or men, especially, especially making it to marriage virgins. I certainly was not. Um, so this isn't me passing judgment, but I think as chaste as you could possibly be not engaging in the hookup culture, I think that's extremely attractive. Um, I think the second thing that makes a high-value woman is a woman, for the most part, who is in control of her emotions. I think it's very rare today that you see women that are in control completely. And again, this isn't all women. Men are the same way, too. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking specifically on women now. So let's see how well you can control your emotions and listen to this. So I think being in control of your emotions is also the indication of a high-value woman. A woman that is in control of her emotions is sure of herself, she's sure of her ideals, and she's sure of the direction that she's heading in life. So where there's less uncertainty, there's going to be more emotional control. Women that are not able to control themselves emotionally are typically doing so from a place of insecurity or fear. So you find that women that are insecure or fearful for the future often do not have control over their emotions. So I think the mark of a strong woman is a woman that uh, is, has strong emotional fortitude and that this is an indicator of a woman that knows what she wants in life and how to get it. Third, I, want, I, I think that uh, I really do believe that a, a strong indication of a high-value woman is a woman that would not put her career over her family. Now, that is so counterculture now, but feminism sold these women this, that are biologically wired. You, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you say. I don't care what argument you bring to the table. I'm not saying women shouldn't have careers, but it should not be the replacement for raising a family. You are biologically, trust the science. Hey, how about this? Trust this science. You are biologically wired to be a mother. So when you try to replace that, and you'll see it constantly, all these 50, 60-year-old women that make a lot of money that get to the end of their life that have no kids, regret it. Regret it. You're sitting around with nine cats in a wine cabinet. It's, it's, it's high-value women would never place a career or a job 
over raising a family. What feminism did is, is, is it attacked the family unit, and it has been so effective in attacking the family unit by destroying traditional gender roles. So what happens, you destroy traditional gender roles, strong men are bad, women should go to work, and they don't need no man, and blah, 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 and this whole girl boss movement that you've all been sheeted and lied into. Um, you, we see a complete and total destruction of the family unit, unit, and as a result, just look at all the studies and comparisons of kids that come from broken homes compared to kids that come from homes with a strong mother and a strong father. It's stark. So if you're trying to destroy and dismantle a society, the first place you go is directly to the family unit, which is why now more than ever we need strong women that are willing to be good mo mothers and raise children. So I would say to start, those would probably be three attributes that I believe make up a very high-value woman. Chastity, emotional control, and uh, traditionality from the traditionalism, I guess, from the sense of wanting to raise a family. Again, I'm not saying women can't work or have a career or do their own thing. That's not what I'm saying. But it cannot be a replacement for being a mother and a wife. It can't. My wife has a great job that she loves, but it is remote. She gets to my conditions. I had conditions for it. She wasn't going to go to an office building. She was not going to work 60, 70 hours a week. She's remote. She works 20 to 30 hours a week when she wants to work. She works with a, a guy uh, that handles my HRT um, that I know and I trust very, very much uh, that I know will respect her and provide good leadership for her. Um, you know, I have boundaries when it comes to that. And, you know, we could sit here as men and complain because I hear a lot of men complain about the state of women. There are a lot of good women out there. The problem is, is that you might not be the high value type of man to be able to attract those women and control those women. Because at the end of the day, you know, I'm a, I'm a hardcore patriarch. You know, I believe that you're supposed to be the leader in the relationship. Are you even capable, not just attracting a high-value woman, but are you even capable of leading a high-value woman? Or is your lid, like if you're a 6 out of 10, and I'm not talking looks. I'm talking a 6 out of 10 in terms of your mental, spiritual, and emotional growth. If you're a 6 out of 10, you will never attract an 8 out of 10. And if you do, they ain't sticking with your ass very long. So, man, it's your responsibility if you want to attract a high-value woman, just like John Maxwell talks about the law of the lid and the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. I believe that applies to relationships and attraction as well, that if you want to, be, if you want to attract and keep a high-value woman, you need to raise your lid as a man. Again, and that's in terms of your mental, spiritual, and emotional growth and stability as a man. Let's hit one more topic. Let me pull it up. I'm not going to do parenting styles today. That's a longer one. Ego and competitiveness in business and success. That's a great one. I think, uh, you know, my mentor, speaking of mentors, Simon Arias gave me this formula. 51% uh, humility, 49% pride. 51% humility, 49% pride, meaning that you want to, the balance should be in favor of humility and humbleness and meekness, but at the same time, you got to play with some pride. You know, I find that people that are like, I don't want to say there's such thing as being too humble, but I think that some people mask the fear of losing as humility, and it's really just a fear of losing. And that might be you listening right now. 
Oh, I just don't really like competition. Oh, it's okay. Whoever wins, wins. I knew I were. That's that's just that's you're basically telling me right away that you don't mind losing. Like you, you should have a very healthy fear of losing in business, and you should have some fucking pride. Pardon my French. When it comes down to playing and getting results, you should have some pride when it comes down to playing and getting results. You know, so there needs to be a balance, and the balance should be more in the favor of humility over ego, but at the same time, you have to play with the chip on your shoulder in business or else you'll never be great. You study anybody that was great in anything, all of these people were competitors, every single one. Sports, business, cricket, crocheting, it doesn't matter. So the role of ego and competitiveness in business is to give you that fire and that edge. Does that mean you need to be competitive and egotistical all the time? No, but when you need a spark or a flame or a push, I think that that competitiveness and that ego is that spark, flame, or push that can give you an extra edge. It's going to make you get up a little bit early. It's going to make you stay a little bit later. It's going to Because I always picture like somebody out there is working twice as hard to take away from me what I'm working to achieve. Because people are, dude. The world is full of haters and losers, dude. I'm telling you right now. As soon as you start winning, I never got this concept for the first five years of my business. But as soon as I started getting into the millions of dollars marks, the haters started coming out of the woodwork, both very close to me and distant from me. And so, you know, sometimes I'm competing with direct competitors. Sometimes I'm competing with unnamed haters. But a lot of times I'm competing with myself. I'm competing with myself because I've realized that the more uncomfortable I make myself, the better I feel and the more I achieve. The more uncomfortable I make myself, the better I feel and the more I achieve. So it's not enough just to compete with other people. You need to compete with that man or woman looking at you in the mirror every single morning. And when you start to look at yourself as a competitor, that's when you start to change the game because you are your biggest opponent. You are going to talk yourself out of more dreams than anybody else. You are going to convince yourself to not do as more work than anybody else will ever convince you. You will convince yourself to not do or to do things that are not good for you more than anybody else will. You got to start looking at yourself as a competitor. So to wrap up today, man, you know I think that me, ego, pride, and, and competitiveness play a, a massive part in being successful in business, but it has to be balanced with that humility because too much ego. You know, we say that stands for E-G-E-O. We say, we say that stands for edging God out. So I just want you guys to think about this today. All right, that's everything I got. Uh, welcome back. Uh, I'm going to start cranking these out nearly every day. So get ready. Peace.